Welcome Hi, to Heart Miranda of Worship Wright, Church Podcast. And this is a for more podcast, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, campaign. and more. Be and sure today to download we're going our to pray app by searching for the Heart Holy of Worship Church in the app to draw up those Google deep, Play, deep waters. Or visit us Jesus said many times in His earthly Church. ministry that Not if come. you will ask, I will give you rivers of living water that you never need to thirst again. And we've all experienced those dry seasons, those thirsty seasons, those personal droughts that we've been through. But according to scripture, we don't need to because we've been given unlimited access to the throne room. So today we're going to see exactly how to draw those waters up, what it means to have that river of living water, the purpose and function of the Holy Spirit, how to obtain it, use it, be moved daily by it. And most importantly of all, be changed by it. All right, what is the Holy Spirit? All right, and I've given this example before. You know, the Bible talks about the church being the bride and Christ being the groom. And when he comes back, he's coming back for his bride, which is the church. The reason that this analogy was used throughout Scripture was because the Jewish marriage custom mirrored what is going on in the church and with Christ. Now, when they were engaged, they did it at a supper and they drank from the same cup, which is represented in the Last Supper. Then once the the engagement was set, the groom would leave. He would go away for a time to prepare a place for the bride at his father's house. During this time period, the only communication that he had with the bride was through the best man who would go back and forth and deliver messages from the groom to the bride-to-be, from the bride-to-be to to the groom. And he would also watch over them to make sure that she was staying uh, chaste for the groom. She would, he would help her, encourage her, correct her if she needed to, tattle on her if he needed to. His job was to keep her a pure and spotless bride for when the groom returns. Now, once the groom returns, he no longer has a job because it's not really that necessary. They all go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That best man is the representation of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit's job. His function is to present a pure, spotless, and undefiled bride, tested and tried through the fires of trial. Open to Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to hit several verses really quick. You don't have to open to all of them to get the point across because we need to understand through Scripture the introduction of the Holy Spirit before we go into the illustrations of it. But in in Matthew 3, 11 and 12, it says, I indeed, and this was of course John the Baptist talking, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat unto the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, of course, we've all heard that, okay, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming that's going to baptize you with water and with fire. But we tend to stop right there and we don't read the rest, where it says that he's also coming with with a fan in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge the floor. Now, what this is referring to is whenever they would take the, the chaff out of the wheat. The wheat would be brought into the thrashing room floor. They would take these fans and winnow it, and it would cause the worthless chaff 
the worthless chaff is the hole around the wheat. It looks just like the wheat, but it's hollow. It's empty. There's nothing in it. There's no value in it. And to be able to use the wheat to make a bread that is edifying to the body, which the church is the wheat, the hypocrites are the chaff, you've got to take them and fan that out. But it takes trial. It takes storm. And it says that he, and then the chaff, of course, is burned. It says that he will purge the floor. So that is part of the Holy Ghost's purpose, too. It's not only to come and present a chaste bride, but it's to do it sometimes, even though that bride has to go through trial, through storms. It's to keep them encouraged. It's to help to get rid of the, the false from the true, to expose the counterfeit. It's all about bringing you to the bride, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, pure as, as a pure and spotless bride without sin, exposing the roots of everything that's in us that needs to come out before that time. That's all part of the, the th- purging from the purging room floor. All right. Its job is to bring you into truth, both about yourself and about God by correction when needed. So the Holy Spirit's job is to bring you into truth, not only the truth of God, but the truth about yourself. You know, there's a lot of times we go through circumstances and situations in our lives where something rises up in us that we didn't realize was there. And the Holy Spirit starts to bring that truth to our surf, to our knowledge so that he can work on it and deal with it and get it out of us. We get to a place where we think we're doing good, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's dealing with you with something else, and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was there. And a lot of time it's not until the trial or the discipline or like the, the story about the horses, it's not until you get into that arena with God and the Holy Spirit that you even realize that those things were inside. So that's part of the Holy Spirit's job. John sixteen twelve through 15 says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. This was Jesus speaking to his disciples. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. So it's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring us encouragement when we need it. John fourteen fifteen through 18 says, If ye love me, Jesus speaking again, of course, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. He's not in you now, but he shall be. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So the Holy Spirit's job in those that needed correction was to bring correction, but also for those that needed encouragement to bring encouragement. The Holy Spirit's job is not to make you happy. It's to make you holy. It will humble the proud in correction and give grace and comfort to the humble. When we're broken and we're just at that place of God, I just can't go anymore. He will speak to you with encouragement. He will show you things. He will pull you back. 
But when you're prideful and you're acting out and he will send correction, he will get you back on track. It's all about getting you back on track, whether it's because you're broken and about to fall off or if it's because you're prideful and straying off. His job is always to bring you back on track so that he can get you to the groom. John 14, 23, 26 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So that's how we know for sure that the Spirit of Truth and the Comforter is indeed the Holy Spirit. So the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit's job is also to endow us with power from on high. Luke twenty-four forty-six through 53 says and said unto them thus it is written that thus it behooved christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at jerusalem and ye are witnesses of these things and behold i send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endowed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed him, blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing the name of God. Amen. So Jesus, even though these men had been with Jesus himself learning for three and a half years, he told them, don't go out, don't minister, don't even leave Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high. Joel 2, 28, yeah. 28, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Also, upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, and so forth and so on. So this was an Old Testament, this was a, a prophecy given that there would come a time when you would call upon the name of the Lord and your sons and your daughters would prophesy. So again, this just points to the fact that the Holy Spirit brings power from on high. It endows you with power. It says that when the Spirit comes, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, you'll do works, you'll dream dreams and see visions and all of this. And it also says that in the last days that will happen. Now, this to me proves that biblically when the Bible is referring to last days, it's actually referring from the time period between the time that Christ left until the time that he returns. The entire time period is actually because he says that in the last days, this spirit will come and it will cause your sons and your daughters to prophesy. To me, this disproves the teaching that the gifts have ceased because it's saying that basically from the point that Christ 
dies to the point that he returns, in this entire period, the Holy Spirit will come and endow you with power from on high so that you can prophesy your young men, your women, your maids, all of these things. So this is telling me that from the point at which Christ dies all the way until he returns, you're going to have men and women, boys and girls, every nationality being endowed with power from the Holy Spirit to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, let's go ahead and start at the first verse. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So the Holy Spirit came and they, they spake in tongues. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galilean? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? And then it goes through a whole bunch of different nationalities that they were, it was, an, it was a spirit interpretation, right? There was actually two gifts in operation there. It was tongues and also interpretation. But this is that, we, and so they're saying, basically the people were like, well, maybe they're drunk. He was like, no, they're not drunk. It's early in the day. This, was, what you're seeing right here is the fulfillment of Joel. He says, this is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. And it shall come to pass in the last days, and he's quoting it, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath blood, fire, and the vapor of smoke. So he's saying this, this that's happening right now is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied. So if Joel prophesied that God said he would send his spirit upon the people and his son, their sons and their daughters would prophesy, their old men would dream dreams, their handmaidens would, would do all these great works, then it's saying from the point of Christ's death all the way until his return, because there's no scripture that says they ceased, it just says that he gave it. And remember, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help us maintain until Christ returns. So as long as he is trying to help us get to the bridegroom, he's here. Those giftings are still there. The Holy Spirit endows you with power from on high to be able to walk out this walk of faith until Christ returns. That's his job. Acts 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Right. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So not only are they disciples, but we know they are definitely believers. So they're, they've already been learning, they've been teaching, they've been growing. So they're already saved. So they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So they had no idea. They had heard nothing about it. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. So we have three clues here. 
They've already repented, they've already believed, and they've been discipled. So these people are definitely saved. You have to be saved for you to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to indwell a sinful, dirty vessel. You've got to be saved. You've got to repent. You've got to cleanse. And I'm going to show that in Scripture where Jesus even addressed that issue that a person has to be repented before they can receive the Holy Spirit. Then said Paul, John barely baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he goes on again. So, he laid his hands on them and he baptized them in the name of Jesus for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had already been baptized unto repentance. They were already believers um, and they were already disciples. But when he baptized them in the power of the Holy Spirit, then they began to prophesy. Then they began to speak in tongues. Then they were endowed with power from on high. You're, you're going into a war with a gun with no bullets is what it comes down to. So the power from on high comes in the form, at least to some degree, um, of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Uh, let's go ahead and just jump down to 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So he's saying there's different gifts, there's different powers that are endued from on high that come from this one Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are different diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Severally means that you can have multiple gifts divided amongst the people, but it's the Holy Spirit that gives these gifts. And remember, we just clarified that these gifts are to be given from the moment of Christ's crucifixion until his return, from his leaving to his coming. All of these gifts are to continue in operations. And we're seeing miracles, healings, all of that faith that's all included in there that the Holy Spirit brings. For the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of one body, being many or one body, also, uh, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And we're going to go ahead and jump down to verse 28. Just skip the whole um, speech about the different parts of the body. Basically, that part about the different parts of the body speech, um, it expresses that no office or gift is unimportant, nor can it be done away with without handicapping the body as a whole. That's basically to sum up all of those verses about the body because it's talking about the gifts and the operations and the offices, and it's saying that every part is necessary to function properly with the body. 
picking up again in verse 28 it says and god hath set some in the church first apostles secondarily prophets thirdly teachers after that miracles then gifts of healing helps governments diversities of tongues are all apostles or all prophets or all teachers or all workers of miracles have all the gifts of healing do all speak with tongues do all interpret so again this contradicts those that say that everybody has to speak in tongues to have the holy spirit or be saved no he gives severally he gives different gifts to different people he can give you several gifts we should seek earnestly all of the gifts really but you don't have to have because it says to some tongues to some healings to some he says but covet the last verse says but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show i unto you a more excellent way go to amos 8 verse 11 and 12 behold the days come saith the lord god that i will send a famine in the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the lord and they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the lord and shall not find it in this scripture it's talking about a famine but it's not a famine for food and water it's talking about a thirst for the word you're so desperate to get that word from the lord but you can't get anything and you're just drying up inside you're getting to that place where you're just dry you're dead you're not hearing from the lord you're not getting any encouragement you're not even getting correction it's like oh my gosh i just need something but you're not getting anything the thirst that it's referring to here the water that it's referring to is the word of god it's hearing from God you don't have to go there I'll just read it real quick in Ephesians 5 25 through 27 it says husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word so the water is the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish so the way we get sanctified, the way you get to the bridegroom, holy, white, spotless, without blemish, is by obeying the word. How do you obey the word? You constantly hear it. God tells you how to obey it. The definition, and I need to do a lesson on self-righteousness, because people have this idea that self-righteousness is a person that thinks they're holier than thou. That's not what it is. Self-righteousness, right? The word righteous means to be in right standing with God. So that means that God has a path and a plan, and it's right here where this phone is. So in order for me to be in right standing with God, I have to seek him and listen to everything he tells me to do to be on that path right where he tells me to stand. I'm in right standing with God. I'm obeying his instructions. I'm not trusting in my own that say, go do this. It's easier. Go do this. It's quicker. Do this. It makes sense. That takes you out of his right standing and puts you into your right standing, which is the true definition of self-righteousness. A person that is self-righteous is a person that is doing things possibly even in good intent, but doing it through their own logic, their own understanding, their own righteousness. What is right to them? What is right to God is his right standing, his righteousness. That's righteousness. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit, remember, is to keep us on that path. And when we listen to the word of God, then we will always be on that path. So it keeps us righteous. Hearing from the Lord, hearing that instruction, that correction, that direction, that encouragement when we need it, that, that teaching, that's what sustains us. That's what keeps us from falling off track, from getting off track, from being deceived, from being led astray, from moving outside of 
the righteousness or right standing of God and his path. And that is the job of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at the water as the representation of the word, and the word is what helps us to stay righteous. All right, John 4, 13 and 14 says, and this was when Jesus was talking to the Samarian woman at the well. He said, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Remember in Amos it used the thirst of the water as a representation of the word. He said, If you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So this thing that, that Jesus is going to do is going to put water within you that you won't have to thirst again. You won't be seeking for that word all the time constantly and not getting it. This is talking about the Last Supper, the last day of Jesus' life. In the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And if the there's any question that the water he was talking about at the well is the Holy Spirit giving you access to the word of God, it's clarified here when Jesus is saying, those that will come unto me and drink, they'll have rivers of living water out of the belly. It says uh, in verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, capital S, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So he was speaking it prophetically. And if you continue on, it says that they perceived that this man was a prophet. He was prophesying, basically. He was saying, those that will come to me and take of this water, this spirit that I'm going to give you, that will give you access to living waters, you're never going to thirst again. And it says that he was talking about the Holy Spirit after he died, but they couldn't receive it then because he had not yet been glorified. He had not yet died. All that to bring us to this. So this is how it works. You believe in Christ, repent of your sins, and get saved. Jesus is the Word made flesh, right? The Word is the water, and Jesus is the Word made flesh, so we have to get saved through Him. He washes us in His blood. It's the washing of the Word, and your soul is refreshed. You're at salvation. Your soul is refreshed. You're good. Oh, I feel amazing. I feel refreshed. I, I'm, I'm not dry at all right now. Boy, I'm on fire. I'm good. I'm really good. But then you start to dry up after a little bit. You're getting dry. It's getting more difficult. Oh, I need a refill. What's going on? It's getting harder. It's getting harder. I'm getting drier. So then you go to the Word. You open your Bible, and you get something. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm good now. I'm back on track. Oh, I feel better. My soul's refreshed. I'm good. I'm good. And then somebody comes by and offers you to go do something, and you're starting to get tempted more and more. You're getting drier and drier. You're getting more and more thirsty. You're getting drier and drier. Pull it away. So you're looking for something to reignite your soul. So then you go, you're like, oh, okay, I gotta go to church, I gotta listen to that sermon. You go, you get a, a awesome on-time message from the pastor, you're, you're just, you're on fire again, you're good, oh, I got what I needed, I heard from the Lord, I know what to do now, I'm good. You go in that, and you walk that out, then you start to stray, you start to get off track, you start to get dry again. A prophet gives you a word from the Lord, tells you exactly what you need to hear. Okay, you obey it, you're back on track, boy, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit now, I'm moving, it's all good. And then you slowly start 
to drift away again. And this is the issue that a person has where they're constantly drying up. And this is why. What you're doing is going to get a glass of water. When you get saved, boy, you get all that poured on you, that, that communion with God, you hear from the Lord. And then the less you hear, the drier you get, the more thirsty you get. Remember it said in Amos that there was a famine for, and a, a thirst for the word. You're getting that thirst. You don't know what to do. You're starting to stray. Maybe you're even starting to sin a little bit, but you really don't know because you're not getting that instruction. You can't hear from the Lord. So you go and you open your Bible. You take another drink from that glass. <sighs> okay, that's better. And then you start to get thirsty again. So you've got to seek it out. You get a word from the pastor. You drink another glass of water, but it doesn't last. You keep getting thirsty again. You go to a prophet. Boy, you get a big gulp of water. You walk it out. You start to get thirsty again. It doesn't last because you have no access to the source of the water. You have to keep going somewhere to get it. You keep getting glasses of water over and over, but you keep getting thirsty and dry again. Now remember, all of these passages that we read before was Jesus prophesying that he would send a spirit. He would send you living waters that you would never have to be thirsty again. This is why the people kept falling before Christ died. They could go to the word, but they had no direct access to God unless they went to the priest or they went to a scroll and read it. They couldn't hear from the Lord themselves. Here's the difference. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are no longer getting a glass from different sources, but you have a well of living water inside of you to draw from at any time you need to hear from the Lord. Be it for direction, correction, or encouragement, you can access him at any time. This is why we no longer need the priest to access him for us. We can have direct communion with him and hear from him ourselves whenever we need without asking a priest to seek him for us. When you have a well of water inside of you, you not only never get thirsty again, but you can draw up water to pour out on everyone around you. This is the operations and the, of the gifts of the Spirit and the offices. All right, let me give you an, uh, an analogy right here so you can see. For the podcasters, I'm going to try to explain it because I have a picture drawn. We've got a water well here. This is the water well on the top of the surface. This is what's underground, and we see the bucket going down to a spring of water, a well of water. That's way underground. When you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you only get a glass of water because you have to go to somebody that has the Holy Spirit to get a glass of water to get a drink. But when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have your own well, a well of living water inside of you. So the water is communion with God. It's the word. It's when you speak with God. It's when he tells you what to do. It's correction. It's direction. It's what we get in scripture. It's prophecy. It's the gifts. The bucket is the Holy Spirit. It's what retrieves it for us. The bucket is the Holy Spirit. The water is the word of God. And what is the word of God? Jesus was the word of God made flesh. So it's also communion with Jesus. The water is the bridegroom. The bucket is the best man. That's going back and forth between you. You are up here. I don't have time to make you pretty. You are a stick man. <laughs> All right. You are up here. The bridegroom is down here. That well of water that, that lives inside of you. He is inside of you. 
The Holy Spirit is the bucket. The bucket goes and retrieves messages. Remember, the bridegroom would relay messages between the bridegroom. The best man would relay messages between the bridegroom and the bride. Here, we'll put a veil on it. It's the bride. All right. So the bride needs the Holy Spirit to go and retrieve messages and send messages to the bridegroom. The bridegroom is the water at the bottom of the well. The bride is at the top of the well. The bucket is the Holy Spirit that's going back and forth. When you have that well of living water living inside of you, the Holy Spirit can retrieve words from God for you. And you don't have to constantly go to get a glass from somebody else that has a well. You have your own well. So when you get discouraged, though we do seek confirmation from each other, which is good because the body works together, when you get discouraged, you can go to God, the hand crank, this hand crank right here that lowers the bucket, that sends the bucket out and pulls it back up. What do we think the hand crank is? Prayer. Prayer operates the Holy Spirit. Prayer is the hand crank that lowers the bucket to retrieve the water of the word, which is Jesus, communion with Jesus, pulls it back up to you. When you have that glass, you can then give it to others, you can drink it yourself, or you can operate in gifts. The rope is faith. That's good. God is teaching. We'll do that. The rope is faith. So this is the difference between a person that they've saved, they believe, they've repented, but they're struggling all the time. They're always getting dry and thirsty. And this is something that we've all heard throughout our lives in different churches. When you go and you're like, I'm going through a dry spell, and they tell you, oh, it's okay, everybody goes through a dry spell. You don't have to. We do go through them, but it's because we don't know how to avoid them. The Bible, Jesus said that whoever drinks of this water will never be thirsty again. You do not have to go through dry spells. If you're going through a dry spell, it's because you no longer have access to the water because the Holy Spirit has departed. And there's a reason for it. So it's a great, and I've done it before. I've told people, oh, well, everybody goes through dry spells, stick it out. And if they stick it out and they keep seeking the Lord, usually he's going to reveal what's causing the dry spell. But the truth of the matter is, it would be a much quicker thing if we would tell them, you're dry because you did something wrong and the Holy Spirit has departed. So ask God to show you what it is so you can repent and ask the Holy Spirit to come back. You get your bucket back, you can start communing with God again. The Spirit of Truth, which is the Holy Spirit, relays Jesus' words directly to you, making it harder for you to be deceived or discouraged. And I think one of the biggest issues is when a person has the Holy Spirit and they're hearing and they do something, they let something come in them. You talk about spirit of jealousy, spirit of whoredom, spirit of pride, all these different spirits that will replace the Holy Spirit. It's a bucket with holes in it. It doesn't work anymore. So now you're no longer hearing from the Lord and they'll try to continue to operate in the gifts that they were given because the gifts and callings are without repentance. And they're then working in counterfeit because they're not hearing from the Holy Spirit about what to do with these gifts that they're given. So it's a very important thing to make sure that you're hearing from the Lord. If you find yourself in a dry spell, then you need to find out what has happened, what is within you that God needs to work out, what he's trying to show you so that you can start hearing from the Lord again. There's no reason for us to ever maintain a dry spell oh i'm going through a dry spell how long you been in it oh five six months no reason for that 
I'm starting to get dry. How long you been in it? Oh, three minutes. I need to figure out what's wrong. And the, this, the devil does this to all of us. He's going to try to convince you when you get in a dry spell that it's somebody else's fault. Somebody else is doing something that's messing up your walk with God. The Bible says that no man can pluck us out of God's hands. In other words, there's nothing that anybody else can do that can separate my connection from God but me. I can remove myself or I can sin that God would be separated or the Holy Spirit would be removed, but no other person can stop my connection with God but me. Now we see why the disciples were told not to even attempt to minister or leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, if they left Jerusalem, they were leaving with one glass of water. They'd have got thirsty, they'd have got dried, they would have never survived. Plus, they would have not had access through the Holy Spirit to commune and get a word from the Lord to get them through all of the trials that we read in Acts and everything that they're going through where God has happened to tell them, don't go here, the devil's after you, don't go there. You've got to be able to hear from God to avoid the snares. And to do that, you've got to have the Holy Spirit to keep you in communion with God. Otherwise, you're stuck just getting, and the Bible is awesome. The Bible, we get our drinks from the Bible. The Bible is living. But you know what? The Bible doesn't truly come alive until you have the Holy Spirit to decipher it to you. So you still need it regardless. All right, John 10, 27 and 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, if you have the Holy Spirit, which is the bucket, and you are using prayer, which is the hand crank, to take that bucket down, to the water, which is communion with Jesus, the word of God, where he's communing with you and telling you what to do, what not to do, what is wrong with you, what is rising up in your heart, what you need to deal with, how you need to avoid the snares of the enemies, what you need to repent of. God, Jesus is telling you all of these things, and the Holy Spirit is bringing that. The, the bridegroom's messages are being brought back by the best man, which is the bucket, back to the bride on how to stay pure and right for him. If you have all of that, then you are hearing the voice of the shepherd. And as long as you continue to hear the voice of the shepherd, you will not follow another and no man will pluck you out of his hand. Now you can always choose to walk away, but if you don't hear his voice, that verse says that my sheep hear my voice and they, another will they not follow and nobody will. If you're not hearing his voice, if you have allowed something in your heart that has caused the Holy Spirit to depart from you, you allow, remember, you allow, nobody forced you, you allowed something in your heart. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you for a while. He's going to try to show you. But eventually, at some point, if you choose it, he will depart. You're no longer hearing the shepherd's voice. Then it becomes easy for you to be deceived. But ultimately, it is always your choice. All right, now let's go back to John 4. We're going to relook at the woman at the well. We read it earlier, but we're going to look at it again now that we have this illustration and we're going to see stuff in this verse that we have never seen before. When you look at it through the eyes of this well illustration. All right, John 4, starting in verse 7. We're going to read through this, this encounter with the woman at the well. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? All right, remember this. She is a woman 
and she is a Samarian. She's a Gentile, she's a heathen, and she's a woman. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samarians. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knew, knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living waters. Now this in the representation of the well is very significant because he's saying that I would have given to you a woman and a Samarian. This was before his crucifixion, so he was implying, he was giving prophecy or revelation to the fact that he would pour his spirit out on Gentiles and on women. So not only was she a Gentile, but she was a woman, and he would put the living water represents his word being inside of them. And she was a, a very sinful woman, so it was implying to the, the, the repentance and all of that and his being able to wash you with the word. The woman, but there's other clues in here also. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? There's nothing to draw with. This was before the Holy Spirit had come. There was no bucket. But sir, there's nothing to draw with. This well is very deep. How are you going to get it? Or thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give in him shall be a, in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come thither to draw. All right, now she's interested. Ooh, I want this water. Give me access to this living water. What does he do? He points out her sin. You can't have the water and your sin. First, you've got to come to repentance. And then you can draw from the water. She asks for the water. He says, come unto me who are thirsty. But there is a condition. You've got to deal with your sin first. Repentance comes first. You can't draw with two buckets. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come thither to draw. Jesus answered and said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said well, thou hast no husband. For thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. So, and then the woman, this is like one of my favorite quotes in the whole Bible. He's like, go get your husband. And he, she's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right, because you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. And she replies, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> I hear Jeff Foxworthy, here's your son. <laughs> yeah, he pointed out her sin. Which is what the Holy Spirit will do to you. He will point out your sin. All right, so we look at that in the light that he was speaking prophetically because remember right before he died he said those that come unto me and will drink will never thirst again and then it says he spoke of the holy spirit that had not yet come he spoke prophetically 
of that Holy Spirit. You have to repent first, let go of all sin and idolatry, and be in right standing with God. This is why the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And let me just say this really quick too. Remember the illustration we gave earlier about being in right standing with God. If the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much, we have to stay in right standing with God for there to be power in our prayers. To be in right standing with God, we've got to be standing right where he wants us. In other words, we have to be praying to send, using that hand crank, to send down the bucket, which is the Holy Spirit, to retrieve words from Jesus that we might know where to stand. That is the only way to maintain righteousness because that's the only way to stay in right standing with God, to know where he wants us to be, to do as he instructs and not walk in our own righteousness, which is to do what we think is right. All right, lastly, Jesus was constantly telling people, if you are thirsty, then ask of him and he will give them a fountain of living water. So you have to ask. To receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to ask Jesus for it. It's not something that's just going to come automatic. You've got to ask him for it. He said, ask me. And every person he told it to, he was always telling them, if you'll ask me, I'll give it. If you'll ask me, I'll give it. He never just gave it. He always said, ask me for it. So before we close, I have to come back to the point that with the well inside of us, we can drink whenever we want. And again, remember the difference when you only have the cup you drink it, and then you've got to go find someone that has a well to refill it. You've got to go get that word from the prophet. You've got to go get that message from the sermon. You've got to go get somebody to pray over you. You're constantly looking for something to fill that up. But when you have it yourself, you can always hear from God. You can always get that word, and you'll never need to be dry. If we are dry, it's because there's something that has caused the bucket to go bye-bye. The Holy Spirit has departed. There's no reason to ever be dry because we can access the word of God anytime we want. How did the disciples go through all of the trials and do everything that they did and walk through all of the miracles and they didn't even have a Bible? They had access to the source. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives you. We carry around water bottles when we can have access to the source. Now, we don't put the Bible down because it's our discernment. But we still need access to the source. If you're locked up in a prison cell somewhere, or if the government makes Bibles illegal, can you stand? You can if you are connected to the source, because you can get a word from the Lord anytime you need. You just got to start cranking that, that prayer crank. You got to start cranking out them prayers. <laughs> and, and you're going to get it. If at any time you go to that well and can't draw up a word from the Lord when you need it, and like you were saying earlier, sometimes God's word is wait. Sometimes you want an answer and he says wait, but you're still hearing from him. You know he's saying wait. It's when you don't hear anything, which is where Saul was when he panicked and went to the soothsayer. I'm looking for the, a different word, channeler. He went to a channeler because he couldn't hear anything. And no matter what, I can't hear from God. He doesn't talk to me. Well, then there's a repentance issue. And sometimes it's just a disobedience. Those are the hardest things to spot sometimes because it's not an open sin where you say, okay, well, you know, I cheated on my wife or I did drugs or something. Sometimes God tells you to do something or to put something down or to get rid of something out of your life and you don't do it. 
because it's a disobedience, it's an idol, the Holy Spirit withdraws. And sometimes those things take a little while to figure out. Sometimes bitterness or jealousy or something like that. All right. So if at any point you go to that well and you can't draw up a word from the Lord when you need it, it's because the Holy Spirit has departed. Repent and ask Jesus to give you back the Holy Spirit. And I would say too, because sometimes we start to get dry. And like I said, you don't always know exactly what it is right off. But God wants to get you back into that right standing. So if you really seek him and say, Lord, show me, he's going to show you. We're a little slow sometimes. It takes a little while to see what he's showing us, but he will show you what the issue is. A praying man will stop sinning and a sinning man will stop praying. Leonard Ravenhill. It's so good. It's true. All right. And just to give an illustration of a church whose well has run dry, let's go to Revelations chapter 2 really quick. This will be our last reading to show the danger that this can be lost once you have it. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, and this is Jesus speaking, These things saith he that holden the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, which is Jesus. I know thy works, and thy labors, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Well, it sounds like this is a pretty good church. (laughs) Nevertheless, I have something against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They started to have a little bit of idolatry. They started to love other things. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. In other words, go back to where you were. You were doing good, but now you're fallen. Or else I will come quickly, and I will remove my candlestick out of his place, except you repent. And remember, the candlestick was the representation of the Holy Spirit throughout Old Testament and New. So he's saying, unless you repent, I will remove my Holy Spirit from you. One of the greatest travesties a believer can commit is to try to use a gift of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. Somebody said that. I think it was Wesley. I'm not positive, but I think it was John Wesley. He had made the comment that one of the great, and I'm paraphrasing, one of the the most horrible things that can happen in a church or, or a Christian can do is to use a gift of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Bible says the gifts and callings are without repentance. You can receive the Holy Spirit and he can give you gifts. And when he departs, he won't take them away. A person can be living in sin and still speak in tongues. Or they can still have operations of the gifts, but they won't be using it for God because they won't be having connection to the word of God to tell them how to use it. So the devil is going to get in their ear and tell them to use it in a different way. I would even say that I wouldn't use a gift of the Holy Spirit without the unction of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit pushing you to the point of you feeling guilty if you don't do it. You can be in need of repentance. The gift and callings are without repentance. You can be in need of repentance and still use a gift, but you won't have the Holy Spirit there to tell you how to use it rightly. This makes error, deceit, and the enemy's counterfeiting of the Holy Spirit a very easy thing. And that's an issue you have in a lot of churches where a lot of people are claiming manifestations of the Holy Spirit and they're really demonic manifestations that are mocking the Holy Spirit because they're still using a gift that they may have gotten from the Holy Spirit, 
but it's not being directed by the Holy Spirit. It's now being directed by evil spirits. It's under different management. So I leave it with a warning. Always seek the Lord. Spend that time in prayer that the Holy Spirit might bring you messages and words from the Lord that you stay on track, that you stay corrected, that you stay encouraged, that you stay directed, that you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Because the bridegroom, which is the water, is coming back for the bride, which is us. And the Holy Spirit is telling him what we're doing and telling us what he wants us to do so that he will meet us. Because if not, if you're not washed, keep washing, keep washing, keep washing with the water of the word, then you're going to be a dirty and spotted bride and you will not be met by the bridegroom. If there comes a point where you feel dry, seek the Lord for why and repent. There's no reason for a person that has the baptism of the Holy Spirit to ever stay dry. A lot of times it's because of idolatry. It's because of TV before prayer. It's because he told you to fast and you didn't. It's because of something that he is asking us to do that we didn't do. It's because we put somebody before him in our lives. He told us not to go here or go there. It's these little idolatries, these heart issues that are not so easy for the world to see. So you keep faking it on, faking it on, faking it on, but you really don't have that communion. So the devil starts getting you more and more and more off track. You're no longer in right standing with God. You're not the bride. Jesus, we're asking you today for your Holy Spirit. We're standing on your word and the promises of God that said, if we ask, we shall receive. We come before you humbly and we repent of any sin. If any of you know that there are issues in your life, repent of that now. Turn away from it and believe by the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ that he will then pour out the grace, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe by faith, Jesus, that you said, if we ask, we shall receive. So today we're asking for your Holy Spirit to come, to indwell us, to change us, to direct us, and we humble and submit ourselves to it. We're not asking for power or vainglory or mighty manifestations because we understand that your word said that many ask and just don't receive because they're asking amiss with the wrong motive to consume it upon their own lust. They're asking because they want power, because they want attention, because they want notoriety. They just want the gifts. They don't want the gift. The spirit of the living God is the gift and its purpose and function is to change us, to make us that pure and spotless bride. So many times we see people praying for God to send them the right one. But how often do we see people praying, God, make me the right one? And I think many times the church is guilty of this. We're praying for God, who we know is so perfect, that great husbandman, that groom to come in and bring us everything that we desire. But we don't take time to say, wait, make me a pure and spotless bride. Come Holy Spirit change me, wash me, make me white, conform me to the image of my Christ. Teach me, guide me, direct me. I want to follow your leading because as many as are led by your spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. So we lay down our pride and we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, Give us your Holy Spirit. Help us to hear it. And we commit to submit to it. 
lead us forward into purity. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.